Welcome to Gender Meowster Podcast Network. Genderful is a talk show featuring non-binary and trans folks discussing various topics and special interests. We kindly remind our listeners that no person is a monolith of identities. All opinions are the speaker's own. This show airs live on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash gender meowster and VODs with show notes can also be found on YouTube. Content warnings for this episode may include discussions of ableism, being misgendered, religious trauma, bullying, and mental health. Self-taught designer, advocate, and activist, and I occasionally paint. Oh, I didn't know about the painting. Yes. That's so exciting. Ah, that's so awesome. I'm thinking about painting. For the folks who are listening to this in podcast, you should also know that Retrophiliac has a wonderful purple hair dye going on right now. It's so fun. You've got a lot of purple on, actually. I enjoy purple quite a bit. So it's my favorite you. color. It's such I a good color. It. We're starting with the heavy hitting questions. Could you tell us about your squish mallows? Okay, so <laughs> I don't even know how many I have right now, but it's become a serious situation where, like, we have a store called London Drugs here, and they sell them. And I'll go in with my niece, and my niece, I'll be like, I'll say to her. You need to stop me because I don't have any self-control. Get me out of the toy aisle. She's 10 and I have to ask my 10 year old niece. I'm going to be like, there's too many. I want all of them. I was like, but I don't have any room left here. So yeah, I have more than I need. And my mom was kind enough to put up floating shelves in my bedroom because I just moved in six weeks ago or something. And uh, the Squishmallows have their own shelves. They're stuffies. Yeah, they are super fun. And they're nice decor because they fit the whole pastel vibe. Yeah. Do you like take turns cuddling different ones at night or is it like... Okay, so I don't really cuddle them at night. I I have five of the larger ones that I didn't give a picture. I, I don't have a picture of, but I have five larger ones that literally occupy like half of my bed. Amazing. So I don't feel like I'm alone at night because mm-hmm. it's almost like a full person length of squishies on my bed. I love that so much. <laughs> Yeah. That's so wonderful. Thank you for taking the time to take pictures of those so we could admire them. (laughs) They are adorable. In the pre-show, we were looking at one of the pictures and there was a character named Moling. And I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about who is Moling. Okay, so I have Moling on my shirt right here. Moling is with Pew. Moling is a non-binary bunny. I believe that the, it's a cartoon and I think the cartoon is a joint like French and Korean, if I'm not mistaken, production. And it's Pingu, where they make noises, but there's no words. Um, Unless you turn the captions on, then you get some dialogue. But Moling is essentially this non-binary bunny, white in color, is incredibly careless and makes really rash decisions. And Pew is a little chick and they're like best friends or they have some kind of interdependent relationship and they live with each other. And Pew's always like, Moling, no! And like, Moling's just like being reckless and Pew Pew has to deal with the downfall. Pew Pew has to always deal with the downfall of Moling's really rash decision. So it's one of my favorite shows. And yeah, it's super cute and super colorful and just adorable. So it's M-O-L-A-N-G. If you want to look it up, it's on YouTube. You can also watch um, it on Netflix as well. Ooh. And it's each episode is only like three to five minutes, I think. So if you just need like a burst of cuteness in your day, I highly recommend it. And also, can you really go wrong with a non-binary bunny? I don't think so. 
You're totally right. That's so that's so wonderful. So it's a slice of life show. It's just adorable. It's, it's just, I think it, it really transcends all age groups. I think everybody will find it pretty comical and endearing. I love it so much. That's so great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so fun. I'm already grinning so much because your hobbies are so cute. May I call you retro for short? That's totally fine. Or Margo, retro, whatever you want. I'm nice. Cool with it. Yeah. Awesome. Margo, what are some way, some things that you trace back to your, like, childhood history that indicated you might be non-binary or gender diverse or not cis someday? Okay, so as a child, I never really, obviously I know that clothes don't necessarily determine somebody's like fluidity or non-binary or whatever, but as a kid, I never wanted to do girly things or like wear girls clothing. I always shopped exclusively at the boys section in the Gap. So I wore the carpenter jeans. I wore the oversized t-shirts and I just, I, I preferred like Hot Wheels. I never liked dolls. I just, all my friends were boys growing up. The couple of friends that I did have. So I always just felt very different in terms of like my gender identity. And it took me even a really long time to be comfortable wearing makeup. I think that was when the whole emo thing came in and I was an emo. So I think that's where my introduction to like black eyeliner came in and the heavy eyeshadow and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it's been like an evolution for me, but I feel very neutral inside. I feel very, I deal with certain biological monthly health things that can sometimes not make me feel super great about myself. So that that can be a challenge to deal with. So yeah, it's just been a feeling of fluid or gender not really existing for me, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As a side note, because as an autistic, I relate by telling stories of things that I think relate to you or what's the thing you just said. As a related story, when I first started to go in to talk about HRT with my physician, she said that I had PCOS, which is related to your ovaries and all of that. And like before she even did any sort of like blood work to figure it out for sure, she took one look at me and was like, you definitely have PCOS. And it was like, I had this hair that was growing under here that had been there since I was like a teen, like 12, 13, whatever. And then the way that I carry weight on my middle in my torso was another sort of giveaway that was probably going on. And sure enough, when we looked at the labs, there it all was. And my my physician said, yeah, you have a higher than average amount of testosterone in your body for a assigned female birth person. And I was like, oh, look at that. So it's like I had a legit, I don't know, somehow it felt like my feelings that I was trans or non-binary was like justified because <laughs> it's, yes, my brain has been running on a non-standard or whatever mix of hormones this whole time. So yeah, that's interesting that you had those feelings from a young person. And I don't know if your deal is PCOS and you don't have to tell us if you don't want to, but anyways, it's, yeah, I relate to the having weird period stuff being an indicator. Yeah, for me, as far as I know, I don't have PCOS, but as somebody who identifies as like child-free and does not want to have children, having to deal with anything monthly related is very, I don't know if, if dysphoria is the right word, but I don't see myself as like a fertile person. I don't want to be somebody that has the capability of procreation. Mm -hmm. So it makes things additionally challenging with my gender identity. I just want to be, I don't know, I, I want to get that dealt with at some point, but it's 
It, it can definitely be a challenge when you're talking about like reproductive health. It, it who knows? I don't, I've never had like my hormone levels checked or anything like that. So it's definitely something to consider in the future. Yeah. For the folks in the Twitch chat asking, what is PCOS? Polycystic ovarian syndrome. And I actually did get my like levels on my thyroid checked multiple times a couple of years before I had the PCOS diagnosis because they were, I was like, something feels off. Like my body isn't working like normal and I don't know what this is about. And it took seeing two or three different doctors to figure that out. And yes, I agree, Maddie, it is poorly named disease because you don't have to have cysts to have polycystic ovarian syndrome. Yeah, no, but it's interesting that there can be like health related things that indicate that there might be this gender thing happening in our minds simultaneously. What an mm. adventure. Yeah, it's it's weird that we don't really know what's going on inside our bodies. So obviously getting things checked out occasionally is good that's something yeah. i will definitely put on my calendar is go see a doctor and figure out if something's going on a better safe than sorry especially i have some genetic whatever my genetics aren't super great so all good all the best to take precautions when necessary mm -hmm. yeah Okay. So how has your relationship to gender evolved over time? You had the resistance to certain clothes and certain sort of social things as a younger person. And we could also add in, if you feel like it, if it's not too complicated, the layer of being autistic and how autistic people are often not interested in social norms. You can definitely throw that in. So for me, I have found myself feeling more, even though I don't feel super femme, or female or whatever you want to call it. Lately, I've been liking cuter kind of clothes. Like I've been identifying with this style called, or at least trying to, it's called Spank K-E-I, which is like a Japanese style, which is a variant of this Fairy K style, which is the Fairy K style has a lot of tutus and a lot of like, lots of layers and ruffles and stuff like that. But the Spank K style incorporates some of that, but with more 80s vibes. Nice. So for me, it's been just like an evolution of my personal style kind of interwoven with my gender identity, if that makes sense. Like I dress up super femme sometimes or what may be considered by a lot of people to be very feminine, even though I don't think clothes should have a gender. Just very soft things like right now, like super soft, very like headbands. And I will admit I'm almost 34 and I'm totally down with the accessories, dr not dressing my age, if you want to call it that. So I think just being really comfortable in my own skin. Like I do have a chest binder that does live in my wardrobe. If I ever feel like it, like it's there for me. And there's been times where I feel like I want to wear like more masculine stuff or days that I just don't care. It's just a constant evolution. I also recently found out that not only do I identify as somewhere on the asexual spectrum, but I also would say that I don't allow gender to determine who I'm attracted to anymore. Like before I'd be like, oh, I only like cis men. And now it's not about it's not about that. It's not about what's down there. It's more like what is in somebody's heart and what's in their mm -hmm. brain. So I find that with my gender exploration or my journey, I've also figured out, okay, my sexual orientation has changed and, it's, and it, I'm more broadly open to just the idea of finding love and that love can take 
in, love can be something that maybe I have not ever envisioned for myself. I love that. That's so wonderful. I think as gender gets more expansive, our sexual orientations and identities also end up getting more expansive. Like, I can tell you, I went from being straight to being bi for a week and then being lesbian for several years and then realizing that I was non-binary, but then identifying as non-binary lesbian for a long time, maybe a little bit still, but then it's it's just, it keeps like floating away and apart. And it's also, I'm married and monogamous, so it doesn't matter at this point. <laughs> I have a spouse, it's fine. But yeah, it's, I feel like also for me on HRT, like my brain has changed yet again and it's open to more things than before. And I'm like, really? This is a bit weird. I don't know. I didn't expect this. And I don't know. It's also, can you identify as a lesbian as a non-binary person? The answer is yes, but I've had internalized, like, am I lesbian enough or whatever? So it's just, it's been this thing. I don't know. So it's an adventure. It's an evolving adventure. And yeah, I, I love that you shared that you identify as on the A spectrum, but also maybe some flavor of pansexual or something. We had another guest on the show who was demisexual and bisexual. And we've talked about and spent some time thinking about what is it like having multiple attraction? Like it could be anyone, but usually it has to be your friend for a long time first when you're Demi, for example, and it's, oh no. <laughs> yeah, I would Surprise, you're in love with your best friend. <laughs> I'm pansexual and demisexual for sure. I think it throws, it throws people off sometimes when they think that I want like an inappropriate advance as the first time that they talk to me. Mm -hmm. And then they think that I'm gonna react positively to that. It's, I don't wanna talk about the way I look. I don't wanna talk about the way they look. I wanna to get to know somebody as like a whole rounded person. Would you really send inappropriate photos or talk, or spark up a conversation with somebody that is inappropriate if you met them in person? I think a lot of people like to hide behind their computer and say whatever they want. And it's just not a good foundation to even find somebody to go out on a date with if the first thing they want to talk about is their body or my body no i want to know what makes your heart sing what makes you happy what are your hobbies what do you like to go out and do, do any charitable work do you mm -hmm. volunteer do you love cats like stuff like that like the important topics yes we do love cats on this channel why yes, yes. <laughs> it's a very important topic so um do you have a favorite type of cat do you I have any cats? Do I personally cats? don't have any cats myself. My mom has three. One is a black and white. Uh -huh. One is a gray tabby. And then my sister's cat who lives there too is a gray swirly tabby. And he is, he has like half his face is like partially white. And he is the, his name's George. He is the George. cutest guy ever. I love George, George Feeney after Boy Meets World. 30s or more to get that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that cat so much i love all the cats i'll go over there and i'll baby talk them and i'll hang out i don't have any of my own i was in an eight-year relationship like four years ago and unfortunately my ex kept the cats i wasn't really in the position so i did have two cute gingers that were very bonded i didn't know they're being well looked after sometimes unfortunately you have to pick yourself or your animals and in that mm. case i knew that they'd be well looked after and that i had to get to a better situation essentially yeah so 
I I respect that you made the best choice for your children slash friends that are your cats. Yeah, exactly. They were my babies. But I know that they're my ex, as much as things may have not gone well, he did end up buying them like two cat trees, like the very tall, like over five foot cat trees. Nice. So like, they're good. They're fine. Nefertiti doesn't even have a five foot tall cat tree, but maybe someday yeah. she'll have a catio. Yes. Oh my gosh. These cat trees were wildly big. Like they, and they also were on a like third floor of an apartment. So they had the best view. They would always look out the window. Yeah. Were they, were they like mostly carpet or like kind of wood and carpet? I've seen some really fancy cat trees that have some like pretty wood in it and it looks yeah. aesthetically pleasing in They're addition beautiful. to being very cat friendly. Yeah. These were all carpet. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Everyone in the chat is talking about their spoiled cats and how much they love them. Well, I love sometimes, I, sometimes I donate pieces of my art that are cat themed to different local cat charities so that they can like auction it off for their fundraisers. Oh my gosh. Or my pins. Actually, can I show you one of my pins? Please do. I sent a bunch of these. Oh, let's try without it. Okay, there. We can see, it. right? Yes, it's okay. an orange cat with heart-shaped glasses. Yes, so I sent a bunch of these uh, pins, patches, and stickers that I have to some local cat charities so they could just sell them, fundraise with them, keep 100% of the proceeds. So it's that's my favorite way to to give back is if I can do it through art and have cat lovers get art with cats. So it's pretty awesome. I love how much we're talking about cats. That's a genuine statement. <laughs> that's not sarcastic. Yeah, all day long. All my art, actually, that's going to go up on my walls in my apartment at some point soon are literally all cat themed. I just have to get my butt to Ikea and buy some new frames. So yeah. that's the thing. <laughs> on the topic of cat-related merch, I just wanted to show you my mouse mat, which has Nefertiti hugging a non-binary heart. The yellow is clipping through with the green screen right now, but... It's so cute. I love it it's so much. So adorable. I, it's, it's amazing. Ah, cats, non-binary and cats, like mm -hmm. an incredible combination. Yes, yes, good. Yes. That's the whole thing. Gender meowster, non-binary and yes. cats. It's so I good. <laughs> Giving back to the cat community. <laughs> so on my Twitter and I put right meow. Right meow, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, this is so fun. Oh my gosh. Okay. So you mentioned, you mentioned raising money for charity. You are involved in some activism work. And my next question is, how did you get started with activism? So that's an incredibly good question. So once I got my autism diagnosis around the age of 28, I think it was, I was self-diagnosed prior. And I also want to preface this by saying that self-diagnosis is totally valid because getting a diagnosis is incredibly out of reach for most people financially. I was in the position where I got my assessment for free, mm. which is like a huge rarity. So I just wanted to make that really clear. People know that I'm, I'm not like going after anybody's self-diagnosis is very valid. So when I got my diagnosis, I had already been like involved online. The Facebook autism groups are not super great. <laughs> it's really easy to get yourself kicked out of there or to do something wrong. So I learned more about myself through that experience. But I started, I had a podcast that didn't do super well called Autistic Speaking. If you look up Autistic Speaking podcast, you'll still find the episodes that I did. So I, I did that and then I made some YouTube videos. I've switched over to TikTok because it's just so much easier than YouTube. I don't have mm -hmm. to edit and all that. 
but I just started like creating content. And then when I designed my, I got my grant and I designed my neurodiversity collect, which yes, it's autistic as well. I want to make that clear. But when I designed these pieces, it all started falling into place for me because I was able to use my art with my activism. Yeah. So we had a woman who was the head of an organization here called Autism BC. Her name was Lori. Lori decided it was a great idea to go to a secret underground rally, speak about how she was against gender identity and sexual orientation education for young children mm. while sitting at the head of the board of this autism organization. Yikes. And you can't do that for many reasons, but one is there's massive overlap between LGBTQ2 plus and autism and autistic people, right? Like you cannot do that um, overlaps. And so I ended up on the news. I ended up on the radio. I ended up in the newspaper. I ended up basically everywhere talking against her. And eventually she blocked me on Twitter and she resigned. Wow. So me and a bunch of other people can definitely, I think, be partially credited with getting putting the pressure on her. I don't really associate with any of the local autism organizations because they're all problematic in their own way. So I'd rather be independent. Mm -hmm. I am part of an organization called BC, so British Columbia People First. Nice. And they put disabled people at the forefront of activism. So I'm involved with them. So it just snowballed. I got on the news. I, I kept talking about stuff. I had my Etsy store. I also have a blog, navigatingjourney.com. So just being really involved online and just getting my face and my name out there just kept bringing on more and more opportunities. And they mm -hmm. still are happening to this day. In a couple of months, I'm running a workshop at a event on how to be a better advocate and activist. So I'm gonna be actually teaching people for the first time all the things that I've learned. And I'm really excited for that. That's super cool. If folks hear this and wanna sign up, is there a link on your link? I don't know specifically for that because it's gonna be in person at uh -huh. this Everybody Belongs Inclusion BC conference. Mm -hmm. But depending on what the terms are, I might be able to share like the modules or put it on my blog or talk about it on my Twitter or my TikTok, sorry after it happens. There's a lot of good information on my website, navigatingjourney.com about different things. So I'm all over. If people want to get in touch with me after and ask for my tips and tricks and chat with me, I'm totally down for that too, so. That's so rad. Your link tree has all of that info and for folks watching live on Twitch, that's being plunked in the chat. If you're listening to this on um, YouTube or a podcast episode later, you should also be able to find all those links in the description. How are you so cool? <laughs> I wish I felt cooler, but I have the worst time making friends and I literally hang out with my family. Like I asked my niece yesterday, my 10 year old niece, hey, do you want to go to Monster Jam with me coming up? Yes, let's go see the monster trucks because I went once, even though it's reeked of gasoline, I will take my niece because she's basically my best friend at this point. <laughs> so I'm cool to you, but people in Vancouver, BC are very hard to make friends with. It is notorious for being a kind of rude place. Like people aren't super friendly here. Mm -hmm. It's like impossible to make friends. So. I appreciate, I appreciate your comment. <laughs> That's kind. Well, people in the Twitch chat are saying, I think you have a bunch of virtual friends here and another person said definitely virtual friends. So if you ever oh want to hang out, 
everyone on Twitch thinks you're great and wants to talk to you some more. Awesome, yes. I, I, I am totally like unfamiliar with how to use Twitch, but I'm sure if you, there's multiple ways to get a hold of me. So if mm-hmm. you want to chat, we can definitely chat. <laughs> cool. Yes. I love it. All right. My next question for you is how do you utilize your autism activism in terms of your art and designs? So my first design, which I'll just show again, was my neurodiversity pride pin where I reinvented the neurodiversity symbol. Instead of it being a gradient, I separated each color and it looks more like a, a game board, if you will. So I like to say it's like the endless journey, the, the game of life, like mm-hmm. with endless possibilities and a spectrum of colors and a spectrum of possibilities. The first thing I did- I had I, multiple people send yeah. me that pin and say, this person is really cool. You should talk to them. Like two or three different people without knowing the other one had told me about you, told me about you and was like, this person's really rad. You should go check them out. That makes my heart sing. I love that. Yeah. I started introducing more products like lanyards. I got keychains. I got stickers. I got tiny itty bitty versions of this pin. So I started just like making the merchandise that I wanted to see, that I wanted to yeah, buy. Yeah, totally. And it's awesome because I actually have my stuff in nine or 10 stores physically and some are in the States and stuff like oh, that. Oh, nice. Yeah. Necklaces too. Very cute. So yeah, it just became, oh my gosh, look at my activism. It's mixing in with my art. And then some of my paintings have gotten into like shows and things like that. So just if people want to talk to me about my art, they're going to get a conversation on me being autistic as well. All yeah. at the same time, because if they see, okay, well, this is what an autistic person can do. Then what I like to say is utilizing my art as a way to show people what autistic people are capable of and to break down barriers and to reduce stigma. That's my spiel when it comes to that. And if I, so I have the image of your bins on the screen now so people can see it. So do you you store this in your house and you ship it to people directly every single time? Yeah, I have a thermal printer to the left of me. I've got my little stickers in front of me. I purposely got two bookshelves to house a lot of my stock. And that is one of the main ways that I actually am able to support myself. I'd love to do more events, have tables at, at different fairs and fan expo would be like, is a goal in the future mm-hmm. is to figure out how I can be like part of artist alley. But yeah, it's all behind me. It's all in my space. I went and shipped out, I think eight orders today. So yeah, it's, I'm so fortunate, like the support that I get, the kindness of people, even the kindness of local people buying my stuff at different stores is amazing. And this pin that I'm wearing, I also designed that. Yes. And I also have like patches and all the colors of the patches are also pins as well. The green one, I know the green one is like vanishing, but yeah, they're super fun. They don't do it's, it's super funny though, to me that my like neurodiversity and autistic and disabled is not a bad word. Mm -hmm. Do really incredibly well online, Mm -hmm. but in person, it's my stuff that's not disability related that does really well. So because disabled people sometimes don't have spoons to go to those stores. (laughs) So we live on the internet. But also it's such a niche thing to look for online that I can understand why, like my rain cloud or my cat or my flowers don't do super great online. 
but they do mm-hmm. well in person because people don't actively seek that stuff out nearly as much. But in person, it's, oh, there's a big brooch and I love retro things. It just, it's, it's demographic and it's also being totally self-taught with design and with business. There's a lot I still have to learn. So do you, is your shop international or is it just in BC? Do people pay the shipping if they're wanting to buy out of country? How do you do do that? I've shipped everywhere. Yeah, I have a printer, so they just buy the shipping online. Then I print it out, slap a sticker on the envelope and take it to the mailbox. That's so amazing. Pretty straightforward, although... It's a little bit frustrating for people who are in Australia because it takes almost half a year because they select the cheapest shipping. Um, so I have to, if you want it faster, you got to upgrade your shipping because it's going to literally take at least six months. Yeah, it's going to sit on a container ship and wait around a bunch. Exactly. If you so want it flown in, you got to pay more. Yeah, that's the most me. challenging part is not me, but like Canada Post and whoever else. Yeah. And I'm also as a content creator. And so trying to figure out how do I have a merch shop and give people stuff they want and do all of the fulfillment and all of that. It's a delicate thing to walk. There's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. I used print on demand for a while for a lot of my items. It just sucks because your overhead cost is so expensive. It is. That yeah. then you have to pass that on to your customers, which sometimes makes your items not very accessible. And then it's like, how much stock do you want to realistically carry if you have bigger items? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's finding that delicate balance and figuring out, okay, like what can I do and how much money can I put out as an initial investment? Like I got started with grants, which I That's was so nice. lucky. That's but really if cool. I didn't get those grants, mm-hmm. who knows? I yeah. wouldn't be able to keep funding new items. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you like do a bulk order of those patches, for example, and then you just have them around and you just send them when they get ordered? Exactly. Patches, I usually order between 50 to 100 at a time, depending on the design. I just reordered no blue puzzle piece patches. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And also the great thing about patches and stickers is you can just send them as regular letter mail, making it even cheaper. But the pins are where it costs a little bit more. But yeah, sending out patches and stickers is super, super easy. That's so cool. I love that. How fun is that? My goodness. Gosh, this is so cool. Thank you for taking the time to explain how those pieces work for you. I like, I've been wondering how do, how do people do it? How do you succeed at like having, doing the thing? I've got friends who make bigger stuff like pottery and I don't know, glass things. And it's like, how do you send bigger stuff internationally? I feel like the shipping just gets exponential at that point. Not only the shipping, but actually having to pack things up and make sure that they don't break. That would be so, that would trigger my anxiety so badly. I don't think I could, I want to learn how to do some pottery stuff, but like more for myself. But I really commend anybody who works with like ceramics and is able to figure out how to get that to people in one piece yeah okay next question i have is can you share some content or creations about your life and being autistic i think you have another autistic thing that we haven't seen yet maybe it's a pin that says autistic i don't remember exactly i do so i just got a whole restock 
They're a little bit shinier. The font is a slightly different, but I only notice it because I have obsessive compulsive disorder <laughs> and I tend to obsess about the small things. So let's see how well I can get this to show. There we go. So these are my autistic identity pins. They're incredibly shiny. I went with the gold and because AU is the gold element. Mm. So it only makes sense to do it in gold. Oh my gosh, um, it's a visual pun. Yes. I yeah. love it so hard. <laughs> I even have some gold infinity stuff as well, which looks like this. Some necklaces, pins, patches and small small pins as well but the autistic ones are like ridiculously shiny i think i had it done in like a kind of antique gold before but i had to change manufacturers mm -hmm. so they had to match what they saw but yeah very bright but i love that and also i haven't released them yet but i want to let everybody know that i have pins that are on their way they're going to look very identical to this but they're going to say nothing about us without us Oh, nice. That's so red. I, they're going to be black and gold and uh, black and white. I'm so excited. I am so, because you can layer, you can take an autistic pin and then put a nothing Wait. about us without us pin under. So I might oh my do gosh, more I love it. labels. So yeah, I'm literally integrating everything together. I'm a walking, like proud autistic person who just wants to show off how just what an autistic person looks like, what an autistic person can look like. We come in all different shapes and sizes and everything, and people need to stop putting us in a box or yeah. saying, well, you don't look autistic. My, one of my, uh, somebody related to me said to my mom, we're all a bit autistic. And I was like, mom, you need to go somewhere else because I don't want to hear that. And it's making me very upset. Like I, no, we're not doing that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Someone in the chat said, gosh, that phrase though, and then did like an angry little face emoticon. I know I relate. Like, how can people say that? If the thing is, the way I look at it is it's the same as when people don't want to use the word when mm. people say differently abled, diverse abilities, special needs. No, it's usually able-bodied, holistic people that make those comments because they mm -hmm. want to like reduce our existence and make us like them. And the thing mm -hmm. is, if you start normalizing disabled people or you start acting like we are part of the general population, you're right. also actively saying that we don't deserve any kind of help we don't deserve any resources. We don't deserve any financial resources. Mm -hmm. So it's the same as saying everybody's a little bit autistic. Everybody's a little bit autistic. Does that mean that you're not going to help? Every, you're not going to have the resources available? Mm -hmm. I just, I cannot stand when people try to put like marginalized groups back into the main non-marginalized group demographic just to make them feel better that if they're not doing anything, then it's fine. Yeah. Um... Oh my gosh. Not to mention how totally ableist capitalism is. <laughs> and oh my gosh. I'm I'm thinking about like stuff that's happening with current events and like masking and the whole health situation and how basically it's just a big obvious general society doesn't give one heck about disabled people and our wellness and ability to survive and thrive. 
They, they absolutely don't. They don't. And also, I saw somebody who I called out once. They posted that meme that was like, normalize not bringing yourself up in a, in a conversation in the way that you relate to it. And I just was so upset because that's just not okay. If that's how people relate to things, which is something I do, who is somebody else who is holistic? Mm. Who are they to decide how somebody speaks? And also it's the same kind of people who think that they can decide how somebody identifies. I was like, I'm a disabled autistic person. And they were like, no, you're a person with a disability and you have autism. Like we're not even, I am not going there. Yeah. So on the topic of autism, do you have any advice for other genderful or neurodivergent people who would like to get involved in activism, perhaps around non-binary related things, autism, neurotype things, disability type things? Any tips? Yeah. So what I would really suggest is like, if you're comfortable talking about it, that's like the first place to start. I wouldn't really recommend Facebook autistic groups just because they're not the best, but I found that TikTok has a really welcoming and very, I don't know, like kind and very expressive autistic community on there. So making content, if you're comfortable, is definitely a good place to start. If you're not comfortable mm -hmm. making TikToks, start a blog, tweet about it, find other people who maybe are talking about things that you feel the same way about and having that conversation with them. And yeah, that's what I would suggest is just Find what venues work for you mm -hmm. and find the way that you can start to have that conversation. If something's going on locally, consider starting a petition, consider writing different media sources or writing public figures like politicians. I've spoke, I used to speak to my politician when I lived somewhere else. I the organize, find local organizations, disability organizations that are disabled run. Like in Canada, we have People First of Canada Mm -hmm. or BC people first. I think they have different provincial chapters and getting involved with disability or disabled run organizations versus like organizations that have all the sick people on the board and don't really involve disabled people or neurodivergent people. We're just going to say right now, in case you didn't know the audience, Autism Speaks is not good. <laughs> nope. Don't like those people. No, they're not There's good. some other people that are better. Don't like Autism Speaks. Yeah, Autism Speaks is not good. I literally sell like no blue puzzle piece stuff in my shop because I just, uh, Etsy is full of puzzle piece items and it's usually non-autistic people who are selling them for profit who support Autism Speaks. Right. And then those um, profits maybe even go to Autism Speaks, which is extra bad. Very possibly. And Autism Speaks, I found some very old articles of their founders online. And the things they said were so horrible and so problematic. And yeah, Autism Speaks is just, don't do it. Find somebody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So are there any orgs that you do recommend supporting? I've had a list of maybe two, two or three orgs that I've done different fundraisers for in the past. But then like afterwards, I've, I heard some like controversy. And yeah, I don't know. How do you navigate that? And how do you figure out what organizations are worth supporting? A lot of research, but also sometimes it's trial and error, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Like there was a local one that I supported, but then they started making some really uncomfortable political tweets that had nothing to do or like 
talking about political things on Facebook and Twitter that had literally nothing to do about autism other than just creating a way to to divide people. So for me, instead of like autism specific organizations, like I was saying, like People First of Canada, mm-hmm. which is a literal like disabled run organization for different disabilities, neurodiversity or neurodivergent people. So honestly, it's just, it's almost like finding somebody who is part of an organization mm-hmm. and, and learning about it through them or making sure that your values align. Honestly, I have to say for the most part, I think that most autistic or autism organizations are problematic in some yeah. way or another. Nobody can be perfect, but it's like, what are you willing to morally accept? Yeah, so I have a, a story. If you feel like taking a sip of water or something, you have a second to catch sure. your breath. So I have I have been wanting to raise money for trans and gender diverse people seeking gender confirmation surgeries. That's like a cause that's really important to me. And I spent six months thinking about all the different ways to do it and like really wanting to handle people's money, but also not wanting to be mega gatekeepy. And you get into this thing with security versus convenience. Like those two are opposed in terms of design. Usually my wife is a programmer. So she talks about security and, and convenience. <laughs> like more secure is usually less convenient, more convenience, usually less secure. And so finding the balance between those things, what I eventually came to conclude and this is just, you know, my personal opinion, is direct mutual aid for trans people seeking surgery is probably better than raising money for an organization because I know for a fact that money's going directly in the pockets of that trans person who needs it. And I decided to start a stream team called Gender Federation, and our whole goal is to do that, is to raise direct mutual aid for trans people seeking GCS and seeking those pieces. So it's, yeah, it's been an interesting journey to figure out those pieces and how do we do the activism, but make sure the money's going to a good place. Anyway, just a little info on that. Is there anything else you want to share about your activism work before we talk a little bit more about it? I just want to say, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think that if you're going to support autistic people directly, I run Made by Autistics Marketplace on Facebook, mm-hmm. and it is literally a place to go buy art and creations from autistic people directly. And I think that is the best way is when you're putting your money into the hands of another autistic person versus through an organization who may not do the best things with your funds and you really never know where they're going. And a lot of the time it's like, you're helping them get a tax write off. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's yeah. Direct is often definitely the way to go. So if we have people who are interested in being listed in that marketplace or doing that, can they join? Is there like a verification process when they sign up? Anybody can join. I just make sure that there's no like advanced behavioral analysis, people joining or people who are coming to try to sell their like miracle vitamins, which does happen. So you weed out trolls and you weed out multi-level marketing. I do. MLMs are absolutely 110% not allowed and no puzzle piece items. And if somebody comes in trying to sell their puzzle piece items, I also figured out that there was a lady who wasn't even autistic Uh who was selling as like autism cure stuff, like beads or something. And I was like, hey, I'm not trying to be rude. I don't normally do this, but are you autistic or are you just selling to autistic people? And they're like, oh no, I'm selling to autistic people. I'm not autistic. I'm like, the title of the group is made by autistics. Yeah. Dear Neurotypical, did you see the thing? Did you read the words? My gosh. Okay. Um, 
All right. I have a couple questions, two more questions about your shop. And if you feel like we've already answered them, we can keep going. But I, I want to ask them because sometimes like um, hearing a, a similar question another way could yield different answers because we think about it from another perspective. So what types of items in your Etsy shop are the best selling and has anything been surprisingly more popular than you thought it would be? So more popular than I thought it would be, no. But the neurodiversity pride pin is definitely my number one seller. Mm -hmm. I think I've had to reorder one or two times already, like a bunch of pins. And yeah, they do incredibly well. And it's super cool because there's so many interpretations of the neurodiversity or the infinity spectrum logo. So yeah, it's really interesting to see that there are people who really love my interpretation. So I'm super grateful for that. Okay, so let's see here. Do you have any funny or interesting stories to share about running your Etsy shop? One time I was vending at this like kind of not above board uh, vintage market in somebody's property and somebody comes up to me and is like, oh my gosh, I've seen your stuff at stores. I'm going to come back and buy something or somebody at one of my retailers was like, oh, I saw your stuff at another store. So that was more like in person, Mm -hmm. but I've... I don't know about funny stories, but I've definitely had some really big orders for like education, like for teachers to give out as gifts. And I'm so fortunate when those come through, but I also am fortunate when any order comes through and I actually have, so if anybody orders, I have this little card that has like my information, my pronouns. And then on the back, I always like to write a little handwritten note. I, who knows where my stuff is gonna end up, but just knowing that people are able to express themselves through something that I made makes me feel like, it gives me a, a huge sense of purpose. So I don't know, it's amazing. It validates why I'm here, at least part of it is like, I'm here to bring joy to, to people and mm-hmm. to help them feel good about themselves because for a long time, I don't think I felt very good about myself. Mm-hmm. So these pieces of, I don't know, it's just done so much for me and so much for others that I just, I, it, I'm overjoyed. I love that. That someone in the Twitch chat says, yeah, the handwritten note is great. So someone has bought a thing from you, seen the handwritten note and really liked it. Yay. Okay. Next question. Can you share an experience with gender euphoria? That's a really good question. When I put on the chest binder, Mm -hmm. it made me feel amazing. And I put on like kind of baggier jeans and like a shirt and like a hat. And I put my hair up in the hat and seeing myself the way that I remember feeling when I was like a kid, when I wore like guys stuff was a pretty euphoric feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not some way that I always feel comfortable presenting myself, Mm -hmm. but it felt pretty euphoric. Sometimes when I put on a dress or a skirt, I don't, I feel not super like myself. Like I like the clothes and I, I like, it's weird. It's like, I like the way they look, but I don't necessarily like the way I feel or the way that they feel. I don't know if that's easy to understand, but sometimes a more masculine look or feel or less chest makes me feel pretty good. Yeah, I totally hear that. One thing that I felt was a positive with all of the being on Zoom for the last two years is I found this Zoom beard filter And so every time I turn it on, I'm like, I'm so handsome. This is so exciting. (laughs) 
and I've actually got real hair growing in that's like filling in the imaginary beard but it's been fun to have that as a as an in-between option so this is just like a check-in with the chat if anyone has any more questions for the AMA this is your moment right here in the meantime the last question that I have for you retro is what would you like to make sure folks know about your perspective on gender and non-binary issues that's a really good question just that like it's okay to present a specific way and still use they them pronouns i recently did a chat or i was speaking and i was misgendered the entire time like the entire time and i had to like circle back with myself and be like okay just because they see me one way and I feel a different way and they're using the wrong pronouns is not invalidating my experiences or my identification so it's more of a lesson for myself but I don't know I'm cool with myself and how my feelings or what I want to wear or things I'm okay with the way that it fluctuates but in my heart I know I'm non-binary and I'm comfortable with that. And I'm so thankful to the community and all the people I've met through my like sexual orientation and my gender identity. I'm, I'm just, I'm so grateful at how loving people are and how amazing like the community is. So I, it's more of, of gratitude and gratitude, kindness, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been such a delight to have this conversation and talk about how cute cats are and see all of your cool merch and get your pro tips on how the heck do you run a merch shop. Thank you <laughs> so, so much for having me. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to share and make sure you got to say today while you were here? Just thank you. Thank you for having me. If anybody wants to connect, you how? I would love to hear from some of you. And I don't know, I'm just, I'm super grateful. And I, I love that you have this outlet and it's just, it's wonderful. So just, just again, gratitude, thanks, all that stuff. Totally. There are definitely people that if you feel like hanging out in the, the Discord server that you joined for this, I'm sure would love to connect with you there. In addition to going to all of your links and your places and doing lay things. So let's see, let me open this thing. So, friends, there is the link tree, Retrophiliac, that you can follow that has all the things. There's also the Navigating Journey website. Here, I just put a, a plunk of things in the chat. You've got an Etsy, you've got a TikTok, you've got a Twitter, you've got your Facebook page, your Facebook group, a couple of Facebook groups, it looks like, and a YouTube channel, apparently. But you also, so I'm guessing you have some of your uh, original content over there, and then you've got more content coming out regularly on TikTok, which is very exciting. And you have two Instagrams. All the things. Yes. That's that's so All many things. things. How do you do it? Podcasts was on there. I like doing stuff and then forgetting about those platforms and then moving <laughs> over to another platform, but like still having the content on other ones. So that's how. Awesome. Okay. Thanks so much for being here. This has been a delight. And yeah, I think I'll take the Twitch chat to the next adventure. Thank you.